All right, legends, welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive. You know, it's another week here on planet Earth, and it's another one of Billy Darcy's heroes that has bitten the dust. You know, I don't think I have any left. <laughs> but my God, you know, Timmy, Timmy Payne, old Twitter fingers, Tim. You know, I absolutely, I've been on the pain train since day one and, you know, tough pill to swallow. If you asked me two years ago, I would have said my main three heroes are Shane Warne, Tim Payne and Chris D'Elia. And that list is getting pretty bloody thin, dude. <laughs> you know, I'm going to cover the Tim Payne thing extensively later. You know, I this is probably bad to say, but this is probably the most excited I've been to do a podcast in quite some time. Now, I'm obviously reeling for Tim and his family. You know, it's a tough situation. But at the same time, if, you know, a couple more of the Aussie fellas turned into Twitter fingers on, on Sundays and started blasting out some filth, I mean, it definitely, it definitely does fill up the podcast. So, you know, there's always a silver lining. But I will talk about that extensively later. But yeah, dude, another one of my, <laughs> another one of my heroes. You know, if, I, if I'm into you, to, to you or what you do for a living in any way, shape or form, you're probably up to no good, hey? That seems to be the trend. But I don't know. It's so like, it's so awkward when this stuff happens because like, you know, you, you, you read the headline. My first thought is, there's no way. Everyone get fucked. I don't want to hear it. But, you know, I need hard evidence. And then and you think everyone is lying to me right now, you know? I'm like a delusional four-year-old. And then you read the article and you're like, oh, oh, okay. And you realize, oh, fuck, that's right. I don't actually know Tim Payne. <laughs> I'm not mates with him. You know what I mean? We don't catch up. Because I think with celebrities, we get so delusional that we're like, we know them. Or like, oh, Timmy Payne would never do that. It's like, when was the last time... You got a beer with Timmy Payne, Bill. <laughs> Was it recently? <laughs> Has COVID got in the way? And you got to, it's kind of like a smashes you back down a reality that like, we don't actually know these celebrities at all. You know, you watch their Instagram stories. Mitch Marsh is having, having a cup of tea in Bondi. You know what I mean? Weather's good. I think, yeah, I know Mitch Marsh. But the reality is we don't. We don't know these people at all. And so... This stuff just comes out of nowhere. I think it's better if like, it's just more obvious. Like people don't like to be tricked, you know, with like perfect example, Shane Warne. Everyone knows exactly what Warney's about, you know? So when these things come out about Warney, you know, that he's been sort of sexting someone, this sort of stuff. I think Warney's, you know, one more sexting scandal, I believe Warney gets a free one. So look out for that this summer. With his loyalty card, you know, he's got one, one more punch in that thing to go and uh, he gets one free sexting scandal. And that's where you can just sort of sext away without any media scrutiny whatsoever. But the thing with Warney is, you know, we know Warney is a bit, bit, how you, like, a bit risque, a bit, bit how you're going at times, but it's, it's just authentically him, you know what I mean? So no one's surprised by it. I think it's the surprise that really, really hurts us, you know? But anyway, and this, this podcast episode, I'll tell you what, this is for the purists. We've got about 20 minutes of Lucian from the weekend. 
straight into Tim Payne analysis, straight into Ash's preview, okay? This is dessert for dinner. Mum's not home and she's left the credit card, okay? None of this, you know, trend end, you know, that's the frills, you know, that's some of the more flashy corporate gimmicks here at Get Around Me, trend end, trend extend, uh, this sort of stuff. You know, we have the send-ins. Those are all great. But sometimes you just need a big bowl of ice cream with chocolate sauce and no fucking sprinkles. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what today's episode is all about. I'm absolutely frothing. Okay. (laughs) And once again, I do not want to dance on Timmy Payne's grave because I love the man so much. But my God, what a time to be a straight white guy who has a solo podcast that at times focuses on cricket. I mean, wake up and get out of bed being Billy Darcy this morning. I mean, there's a pep in my step, okay? I don't drink lemon water in the morning, but there was an extra bit of zest in it this morning, okay? We are up and about in a big way, and I'm excited. I'm very excited. So, you know, Timmy Payne got done on Friday for this sexting scandal, but... That wasn't the biggest event on Friday, I would argue, because Friday was also the, not the debut, but Riff City, mine and Pat's crowd work show in Sydney uh, was on Friday night. And we had, we had to do a sound check for Riff City at four o'clock and the show was at eight. So I live like an hour and a half away from where the show was. So I was like, fuck, we'll just stay here. So we go to the pub, me and Pat. You know, I then choose to have a, I think it was a Greek lamb, flatbread, fold-over, kebab thing. I don't know. It was a heavy Greek meal before the show, which I wouldn't recommend to any artists out there. Greek cuisine belongs after the show, okay? You can, you can have a dinner the night before, or you can have a dinner after the show. But you can't just hoe into a bit of Greek cuisine and then go and stand on a stage for upwards of an hour and a half. Okay, it's just humans aren't built that way. Not freaking white guys with beautiful Irish skin like mine, let me tell you. Okay, my stomach was not equipped. But anyway, so we go to the show. I'm so excited. It's sold out. It's going to be awesome. And I actually had a spot um, at a show. So the factory theater where we played, there's like four or five different little theaters, you know. um, And so I had it. There was a showcase downstairs and I had a spot on that. So I had a 7.55 spot downstairs and then our show started at 8.15. So you think, this is a great opportunity. I was only doing five minutes. Just sort of, you know, get a bit of a warm up in, do a few bits, come upstairs. Unfortunately, I walked out, some guy had his foot on the stage and I burnt about four and a half minutes telling him to get absolutely fucked. So that was a poor decision. I regret it then, I regret it now. That's just what happened, okay? This podcast, at its heart, is based on truth. So, sort of blew my spot beforehand, just wasted my time riffing it up, ironically. Then we go upstairs, There's now there's improv on before us. So, basically, there's like a 7 p.m. show, an 8.15 show, and a 9.30 show. Now, the improv. Improv and stand-up have a rivalry maybe as long as the ashes, okay? Improv hates stand-up, stand-up hates improv, and together we both hate magicians. And that's just how the world works, okay? 
I don't know. It was like that when I came to stand up. Okay. I remember I accidentally said, oh, I might take an improv class. Someone just threw a book at me at this open mic. It was like a, it was like a freaking leatherback, you know, 400 page book. You know, I didn't have the time to see what book it was, but it hit me in the head pretty hard. And that was the last time I spoke of improv. So there's a rivalry there. So we're waiting for this improv show to kick off, to, to end, I should say. Improv, you know, theatre sports, I think they call it. Again, once again, if it doesn't have a ball, I have a very hard time believing that it is, in fact, a sport. Okay? I barely think race car driving is a sport. And you want to fucking tack the word theatre at the start of the word sport and just sort of slip that under the door and think no one's going to bring it up? Well, it's been addressed, okay? Make no mistake. It's not a sport. So the improv team come off and, you know, there's like six of them and they're all, you know, doing freaking high fives and and encouraging each other. Um, You know, it's clear that they've got connections outside of the stage. Um, It's absolutely disgusting, okay? Disgusting. Um, There was a sense of camaraderie in the room. That's something you'll never see in a stand-up green room and they make me absolutely sick, Okay. But we got past that and then everyone's, you know, the people start coming in, pumped up for Riff City and Shane, one of the blokes who works at the factory, absolute legend, comes in and he goes, hey, Billy, he goes, I met you in May uh, last time. I'm not sure if you remember me. And I go, yeah. And he goes, he goes, listen, mate, I've just had a look at your line. They're very, very pissed, mate. He goes, it's going to be the exact same as last time. Because last time my Friday show in May was like completely out of control by the end. There was like just 20 people walking around. Everyone was so blind. And he's like, listen, mate, I'm going to try and control them as much as I can. But at the end of the day, they'll only listen to you. Okay. So control them, mate. You you did well last time. I need you to do that again. And he's like fucking revved up. The poor bloke's got PTSD from my last show. And I tell you what, he was right to to feel that way. You know, Pat back announces me. (laughs) I walk out and it is just... 150 of the drunkest people you've ever come across. Um, I was heckled before I was able to put my hands on the microphone, which has got to be, you know, some sort of a Guinness World Record, mugged off before even getting to the microphone. So, you know, difficult start to the show, you would think, but I was actually able to torch that young man for upwards of six minutes and kick things off. So it was so loose. Um, my cameraman up the back said a bloke in the back row passed out 10 minutes into the show. Like full on just blacked out 10 minutes in. Okay, so this is the vibe in the room. And there's just like everyone is at their chair with like four cans of Bundy rum. And it is loose. And I, I, to be honest, I, I do enjoy the energy in the room, you know, because it, it's good. It gets to a point later in the show where everyone's just so pissed and they're interrupting me, where it does piss me off to a certain extent. But having that much energy in the room and everyone's so excited for the show, it's absolutely unreal. I love it so much. Thank you to everyone who came to Rift City. It was such a fun night. Um, the show the show was great. And it was just, yeah, it's, it's just so great to have people come out and, and they're like just pumped for it. You know what I mean? Especially when you're doing all crowd work, because, you know, if, if the crowd's a bit fucking how you going and you're only doing improv for a, an hour 20, you know, it's not great. So 
thank you to everyone who came out. It was such a fun show. Um, Macca said he popped out for a piss like halfway through and there's like a disabled toilet right outside the door to, to our room. And he said like he just opened the door and there's just a bloke just racking up keys. He hadn't even locked the door, this bloke. You know what I mean? One bloke, um, one bloke left in like the second row. And I said to his mate, I said, where's he going? And they said, he's going to do Dexies. So it was very much a carnival atmosphere at Rift City. Oh man, it was fucking loose. We went way over our time. We were supposed to do 55 minutes. I think we did an hour and a half. To be fair, uh, you know, there was no one on after us. And Nikki, the sound check, the sound, sound check. Nikki, the sound person was supposed to throw a light up at one hour. I don't know if she did or not. Me and Pat were swapping back and forth on stage and we started late a little bit, but I never made a note of what time we started. So the wheels were off, but we were just killing so hard and there was so much energy in the room. So it was awesome. It was so much fun. Loosest show ever. I mean, by the end, it was just like out of control. By the end, I just like, we got a big laugh on some line. I was like, we are Pat and Billy Darcy because we finished the show together on stage. We do like the last 15 together. And uh, it was just, it was just, yeah, it was untenable by the end. It was like, all right, we need to get out of here because like people are just fucking just out of control loose in the best way possible. But we've had our fun. It's time to get to the bar. And they actually offered us to do um, a 9.30 show directly after the 8.15 show. Which could have been fun, but it kind of would have ruined the whole like, the whole point of only doing one show was that it's one and done. We're here for the fun. You know what I mean? Like it's tools down after one show. I don't want to turn around. I don't want to send 150 people to the bar and not come out and have a few fucking beers with everyone. You know what I mean? So we declined the second show. Best decision ever. On the piss with everyone after the show, having a chat. Everyone's a legend. Absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, Maka and Adzi are taking photos with everyone. It was hilarious. Um, <laughs> so we go to the pub around the corner, the Vic on the Park, the best pub ever. And there's probably about like 60 of us from the show in the line. And there's cops on the front door as well. So I'm thinking, fuck, this is a disaster, you know, because I wasn't very drunk after the show. So everyone else was hammered. So I'm thinking, fuck, it's going to be like me, Pat, and like six, you know, randoms. You know, I want everyone to get in. I want this to be a bloody absolute, absolute session. That's what I'm hoping for. But every single person got in at Vic on the Park, except for Adzi. So that just goes to show that those police were doing their job because Adzi was absolutely out to lunch. I think he asked the bouncer for a ham sandwich because he was very much out to lunch, okay? So, Adzi was the only one who didn't get in. It was deserved. Um, his his kick out from the week prior is still under intense investigation. We do have a couple of leads. Um, it is believed that his missus told him to leave and meet her in the city. Um, that's one lead we have. It's Another lead is that Adzi simply could not handle the heat. And smoke bombed out of pure fear. Um, but once again, this is all alleged and uh, the investigation is ongoing. But I saw Adzi this time get ejected uh, with my own two eyes. So 
all above board there. He was the only person out of like 60 that didn't get in. And uh, it was wild. It was the wildest night. Just on the gas all night till like 3 a.m. at this pub. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. How am I going for time? Okay, so. Next night, if you can believe it, I'm back at it. I woke up so hungover. So hungover. It's unbelievable. Um, just ill to my stomach. But I'm actually hosting possibly an even cooler show the next night at the factory again. So I go out there and it's in the big room at the factory. Last time I was on in the big room, it was when I opened for Andrew Schultz. So I haven't been back since. And I'm walking around all day hungover being like, fuck, I've got to host a show to 800 people. I'm going down. You know, sugar, we're going down swinging. Okay. Uh, so I was having, you know, just like, oh, come on, Bill. Just get over this hangover, you piece of shit. And then... I get there and they've curtained off half the room. So it's like only like 300 people. And there's probably only like 200 who came. So it ended up being like a pretty fun, smallish gig. And, but it was still on the big stage. You know, we got like the sick green room, beers in the fridge filled to the brim. There's like, like usually at comedy shows, if you get a green room, it's like one tiny room. But at these big boy theaters, you know, there's like a lounge room and then there's like, then there's like two separate bathrooms and like two, there's like, and then there's like a separate dressing room area. So it's fucking sick, dude. And I go out to host and I'm just having a great time. I got a crowd work, some bloke in the front row. Turns out I went to high school with him, uh, which is pretty much a worst case scenario for crowd work. Uh, luckily, I was sort of able just to mug him off for upwards of six minutes um, for the pleasure of the crowd. And he was an absolute legend about it. So then I was thinking, oh, I'll have a quiet, I'll have a quiet Saturday. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll get home. I was going to um, see a friend of mine in the city while I was out there. So I was going to go meet her. No stress. And then after the factory show, I come out, have a couple of beers with people from the crowd. My mate who was uh, from high school. Then some Irish bloke was chatting to me. Absolute legend. Beer with him. Then I get a text from my mate Freddie. Come to Vic on the Park. We're on the source. And I've got a backpack with all my um, stuff from the previous night. So I'm thinking full backpack at a, at a pub. This is a bad look. But who gives a fuck, dude? You know what I mean? So head off to the pub on a Saturday night with a big old cricket backpack. Looking like I haven't had a root since John Howard was Prime Minister. But guess what? I'm here to sink piss and I've got a great attitude. So leave me alone. <laughs> Then, as I'm, on, as I'm about to walk into the pub, my mate Sean texts me. He says, hey, Bill, heard you coming to Vic on the park. I'm here on the schooners. See you in a bit. And I'm thinking, oh, no, we have a genuine session brewing, dude. We have a genuine session brewing. So now I walk in and it's just like, where it's on for young and old. Then old Sean tells me there's a, there's a sick live band. That's why he's there. So I was supposed to pop in. I was supposed to not have any beers. Just go straight to meet my friend in the city. Now I'm like 10 beers deep at like 11 p.m. in a mosh pit. Just going nuts. I accidentally headbutted a chick. I said sorry to her then and I'll say sorry again now. I was getting a bit of a headbang going and then, um, you know, someone just pushed her into me and just sort of headbutted her a little bit. 
not too much, but it wasn't great. You know, I think I would argue any time you accidentally headbutt a young woman is not great. And this, you know, this circumstance was like no other, you know. So, and it's one of those like mosh pits where everyone's just pushing each other. It's just going nuts. So much fun. You know, I haven't been in one of those for since one of those illegal picnics I attended several weeks ago. But then, um, then I went to the bar and this is where I just thought this is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, I've got my backpack on, I've headbutted a girl, I'm behind schedule, I'm blind, you know, the wheels are off. So I go to the bar and I forget to put my mask on. And there's a few people at the bar who don't have it on. And, and then, so I forget to put it on and some bouncer comes over and is like, hey, you got to put your mask on. What are you doing? And this is where I kind of draw the line because it's like, I was just in a mosh pit, dude. Some guy bled on me and I've got to put a mask on. You know what I mean? Like the damage is done. People are licking each other from head to toe. There's sweat going everywhere. You know what I mean? The damage is done. People are people are the the vaping. Dude, I'm freaking my vape on Friday night must have gone around 10, 12 different people, strangers, you know what I mean? It, I I would argue it was wasn't even mine. You know, I just sort of you just give it to someone and then half an hour later you ask them if they still have it. They point to some some freaking Nigerian guy across the beer garden and you go start chatting to him. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're all in here, communitas or whatever. You know what I mean? Camaraderie in the trenches. Everyone's licking each other, you know, while, while they're pumping enough nicotine into their goddamn brain to stay up all night. So why do I then have to wear a mask for the three seconds I'm at the bar? I know it's all optics, it's all stupid, whatever, rules are rules, but I don't know. I feel like if you're going to allow a full-blown mosh pit, that then you have to just sort of, you know, that's that, tools down on the COVID front. Thoughts, queries, etc. Okay, so the Tim Payne sexting scandal. So I'll catch you up briefly if you've been living under an absolute rock, but basically current or former, I should say, Australian test captain Tim Payne, my hero, has been caught up in this sexting thing, that sexual texting, if you've never had a route before. And basically in 2017, he was married at the time to his current wife, and he sent off, uh, you know, some filthy, filthy text messages to a woman who is an employee at Cricket Tasmania or was at the time. It was investigated by Cricket Tasmania. There was a, it was found that the messages were consensual and that, you know, it takes two to tango. There was no breach. So then that was that. Cut to 2018. Tim Payne becomes test captain. They never bring it up. Maybe they should have. Cut to 2021. The messages are leaked, a screenshot, um, and causing Tim Payne to stand down from the test team as captain. I believe he will still play the Ashes. And that is basically the scandal. He's still married to his wife. 
They dealt with it personally. It was dealt with professionally. And uh, that's what we're here to talk about. First things first, off the bat, you know, Timmy Payne, he shouldn't have done it. Okay, let's just get that out of the way that, you know, you could talk about this thing at length, how it was handled, who it was handled by, when it happened, how it happened. Uh, And by the way, I intend to do all of that right now, okay? But at the end of the day, none of this would have ever happened if Timmy Payne wasn't, you know, sending out absolute filth at nine in the morning uh, on a weekday. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's... Timmy shouldn't have done it if he didn't send off this uh, these loaded text messages, you know what I mean, with the missus in the next room. You know, none of us are talking about that, talking about this, I should say. That's that. But now that we've sort of got that out of the way, my God, what an incident. You know, this is quite a historical thing. The captain of the Australian cricket team in a sexting scandal. You know, it's rare to have the captain caught up in this sort of stuff. Um, I'm thinking at the moment I may as well just send in Cricket Australia my list of favourite cricketers and they can start monitoring them a bit a bit more closely because I'm on obviously subconsciously attracted to poor role models. That appears to be the thing with me. But, you know, this thing with Timmy Payne, I think the big lesson we've learned here is, you know, when the text messages start to fire up a little bit, you know, when there's a bit of venom going back and forth, Sometimes the best option is just to have a wank and regroup. Okay. Sometimes when, you know, it's getting, it's getting, you're getting too revved up. You know, if you're sending out, you know, it's one thing if you're sending out some, some illicit text messages, maybe you're drunk at midnight or something, you know, and you, and you and this girl are going back and forth on something. But me personally, if I was sending out absolute, you know, verbal rockets, before breakfast for me that's a that's a cue to probably freaking reset the system and have a look at what we're doing here a little bit you know i just think you know sexting sober in the morning i mean is tim Payne a serial killer because i don't know how he has this sort of confidence okay um it is quite bizarre behavior considering you know a bit of inside oil i i have met and talked to state cricketers in the past and, you know, I remember years ago, a couple of my mates were saying that Tim Payne is just an absolute wrecking ball in Tasmania when it comes to the women. You know, in a very consensual, respectful way. I'm sure that was in brackets. And, you know, the guy the guy was freaking an absolute celeb. Plus, he's an absolute rooster. And he's one of the most charismatic men I've ever come across. So, you know, there's no surprises there. There's no surprises there. But then I feel like, you know, we all, we all want to believe that these, these blokes, when they find the one, they're able just to switch it off and settle down. And I think society wants to believe that because blokes, we want to believe we can do that. And women want to believe we can do that too. You know, that's the whole deal is that, you know, you carry on in your 20s, but once you find that special person, you shut it down. So it is pretty bizarre behavior from Timmy Payne. You know, I just think with this sort of stuff, if you're going to get into this sort of thing, do it like a gentleman in the 90s and just play up on tour. Just just do it on tour. It's not like it's not like it's hard to freaking cheat if you're a, a professional cricketer. You know what I mean? How was the how's the West Indies, Tim? Fucking great, babe. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? 
I'm pretty sure the, the Australian cricketers in the 90s going to the West Indies. I heard some filthy stories about what the lads were getting up to back then. So it's like, but here's the thing. The two big problems with this. The, big, the biggest problem is that he sent them. But the, the two big problems is that he works with her. Okay, because then it's a workplace issue. You just cannot be sending this sort of filth to a colleague. You know what I mean? You just can't. And then secondly, he's married and the, the missus was pregnant at the time. So, so here's the thing. Workplace, so, you know, Cricket Tasmania, Cricket Australia, they're all over him. Sexting behind the pregnant missus back, now, you, now the public hates you as well. And that's the problem. And the thing is, he's the captain. And he's the, the honourable guy who dragged us out of the sandpaper incident. So now the public is like, what the hell, Painey? This wasn't what we signed up for, mate. You're supposed to be the good guy. And then, you know, she, she's a colleague. So you can't, you just can't do that to a colleague. You just can't. Especially if you're a professional cricketer. I would have thought they'd have training regarding this sort of stuff. But if Timmy Payne's single and he doesn't work with this girl, he's just sending off, you know, he's just sending off, you know, text messages come up in blue on iPhones, but I think they come up extra blue on Timmy Payne's, if you know what I mean. But if he's just sending off a few rockets to a random girl pre-breakfast and he doesn't work with her and he's not married, you know, it's not really a story. That's just his personal life. But it's like these things, you know, they make it a lot worse. Now, here's the other thing about this whole thing. Timmy Payne, you know, not great from him. But also, it definitely takes two to tango. It's my understanding that the messages were consensual. You know, if you want to live in a world where Tim Payne wakes up and for no reason just starts freaking sending absolute filth to some chick unprompted, well then, you know, enjoy yourself, babe, because you live in Narnia, okay? You 100% live in Narnia. Is your best friend a lion that can talk? Because that's the sort of delusional shit that goes on in your head if you think it didn't take two to tango with this. That's that's my belief. I mean, I don't like like they've only, you know, I tell you what, a screenshot. Poor Timmy Payne, if the iPhones were a bit taller, he might have been he might have got out of this one. Because the screenshot with like it's just him going like, you know, fucking it's I won't repeat the text messages because they're far too blue for this podcast. But, you know, where, where the screenshot starts is where Timmy Payne starts bringing the heat. So, you know, I'm sure if we scroll up a little bit, I'm sure she didn't just text him, Hi, Tim. Kate from Cricket Tasmania here. Just checking you're all right for that 10 a.m. meeting this morning on Zoom. I don't think Timmy Payne's then just replied, Can you please start jacking me off? You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it does. I, I believe these messages were consensual. It's, they've got to be because otherwise, you know, that, that's just ridiculous. It's an absolutely ridiculous situation, you know. Hi, Tim. Uh, Kate from Cricket Tasmania Apparel. Just double checking you're still a large. Timmy Payne's like, yeah, I'll tell you what else is fucking large. Like, you know what I mean? It just seems a bit ridiculous, okay? So, you know, I'm, I'm working on the uh, understanding that these messages were consensual. But anyway, I just think... It's a weird one because at the end of the day, I keep coming back to that thing that he just shouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, talking in circles. But I do think it was the right call to step down as Australian captain because 
firstly, I think he should 100% play the Ashes. I think he's the best keeper in the country by a margin still. Everyone talks about Alex Carey, whatever. I, I just think Alex Carey is a little bit overhyped. I think his glove work is good without being absolutely sensational. And I think as a test batsman, you know, he's definitely a, a good test batsman and will be a great test batsman. But he's not scoring the sort of Sheffield Shield runs to put enough pressure on Timmy Payne's spot. Okay, so I 100% think Tim Payne should play. Don't think he should have lost his spot for this, which he didn't. You know, um, but I do think he should have stepped down as captain. I think it was the right call because, firstly, we're playing England. The scrutiny from the press, you know, your press obligations, just the balmy army will be all over him. You know, also... Sportsmen are held to a higher standard, but the Australian cricket captain might be held to the highest standard in Australia. You know, people say it's like second to the prime minister. You know, it is the national sport cricket. You know, you just can't have a captain who's like been, you know, got that Twitter fingers reputation. So I do think it was the right call to step down, but he should still absolutely play. You know, it's one of these things where it's like, how much of these guys' private lives are we entitled to? You know what I mean? Because this obviously had, had had to be investigated and everything because she worked for Cricket Tasmania. So it's a workplace issue. Okay, so it's literally part of his job as a professional cricketer. You know, they had to investigate whether he violated the code of conduct. You know, it's not illegal to cheat on your missus or sex behind her back or whatever. You know, you're an absolute scumbag for doing it. There's no doubt. But it's like, it's just getting to the point where it's like, how much of these guys' lives are we really entitled to? Are we like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's getting a little bit much. And it's like, this one was already dealt with uh, by Cricket Tasmania. So it's like, I think a lot of people feel fooled, like it should have come out earlier. Maybe it should have come out, but it's kind of like, it was dealt with in-house. You know, it's my belief that the messages were consensual does does everything need to be aired out in front of the public like his poor missus is just going through this whole thing for the second time you know his kids are gonna have to have to freaking deal with this at some point and you know at the end of the day what well, keep, keeps coming back to well he shouldn't have done it but it's like people make mistakes do we have to ruin their whole fucking lives you know what i mean like why am i even discussing this on the podcast it's kind of like it was dealt with professionally and personally previously it's all wrapped up four years ago you know the woman hasn't leaked the text messages it was obviously the english press if you've got freaking if you've got more than four fingers combined on both hands you can freaking it doesn't take too much to work out that this was obviously the english press who've got their hands on this and leaked it and it's kind of like and again he shouldn't have done it but it's like are we living in this society where you make one mistake and you just get dragged through the mud for like two decades? It's all getting a little bit much at times. And I don't want, I'm not defending what he did, but it's just like, it's almost cruel in a way. Like, it's a tough one. I think this is the sort of time when I wish I didn't do a solo podcast so I could discuss this with someone, but it's like kind of a complex thing. You know, sports players have, what, 10, 15-year careers. Every single one of them is going to make a big mistake in that time. We live in 2021 now where you can be as fat as you like. No, You know, that's, that's powerful stuff, you know. Be you. 
You know, we're, we're, we're pro this, we're pro that, do whatever you want. You know, just a real like, accept everyone, do whatever you want, make yourself happy, love yourself for who you are, this sort of stuff. But it's like, when are we going to normalize mistakes? You know, when are we going to normalize someone making an error in judgment? You know what I mean? I'm just getting a bit sick of this thing where it's like every single time a celebrity or a pro sports player makes a mistake, it's like they're the first one to do it. You know what I mean? It's like like the sandpaper thing. And then it's like, like this, there's, there's scandals every year, every fucking year. And you know why? Because they're human. Can we stop acting surprised is my thing. People make mistakes. These people on the telly are humans. You know, all of the greatest sports players have made mistakes. We forgive them all. You know, they take their licks. We do forgive them in the end. But it's like Warney. How many mistakes has he made? National treasure. Ricky Ponting. He got punched in the face by a bouncer because he was acting like an absolute cunt one night and tried to fight him. You know, Michael Clark, another Australian legend. You know, I don't think he had any scandals. But once he retired, everyone came out and said he's an absolute piece of shit. So it's like... We just need to stop holding Australian sports players to these impossible standards. You know what I mean? Pat Cummins is like this this angel at the moment. He can't do wrong. Pat Cummins has made mistakes in the past. I guarantee he'll make a mistake in the future. And it's like, if he does, can everyone just fucking relax? And can we just treat it on a case-by-case basis and just actually, you know, address the problem you should 100% be punished for breaking the rules and, you know, breaking the law, this sort of stuff. But it's like, God, like, I just can't pretend to fucking, I can't pretend the whole world's burning down every time a professional sports player makes a mistake, okay? We have to accept that this is going to happen continually for the rest of time, okay? And it's kind of like getting to the point where it's like, you know, we have podcasts and stuff now where you can actually get to know someone and sort of, you know, over a two-hour conversation. It's not like the the 2000s and the 90s where, you know, Steve Waugh did a four-minute interview, say the right things, and then you don't hear from him again until the next next press conference. You know, and they were kind of like a bit more like gods. But now it's like, it's like, dude, Usman Khawaja has his own YouTube channel. He has his own thoughts, his own feelings. We know these people are humans. When are we just going to fucking accept it, dude? You know what I mean? kind of sick of it. And like the word scandal, we just have this word scandal now that we just fucking broad stroke across anytime anyone breaks the rules. You know, sandpaper scandal, sexting scandal. It's like, let's keep in mind, like, there are actual laws that govern our society. Stuff like this where it's like no laws have been broken. Yes, they've broken the rules, but it's like, let's punish them, you know, give them both barrels, you know, I'm, I'm in for that. And Steve Smith copped his suspension. But at what point do you just go, okay, you know, he's made a mistake, he's copped his punishment, okay, he's no longer captain, you know what I mean? Like, Tim Payne has been terrorized for last week. His poor missus is, mate, God, his poor missus, you know what I mean? It just gets to the point where it's like, God, it's all a bit much. So I don't condone what he did, but at the same time, God, that's how I feel. All right, so let's crack into the Ashes preview. 
I was doing it before, I must come clean, and the audio recorder ran out of batteries. So, this thing is not like a car, let me tell you. You can't just drive to the city and back on empty, live in La Vida Loca. There's none of that. This thing said low battery. I personally laughed, and then it immediately shut down. So, there's a lesson in that for everyone. Anyway, the ashes this summer. Before I get into this, I've actually got some notes here as well. This is the only time you'll see me bloody do a bit of bloody homework, eh? Um, so, the Ashes. Whether we win, lose, or draw, I personally think we will win. How fucking good is this either way, really? And Ashes summer. There's just nothing better. You know what I mean? We got handled by India last summer, but it was great cricket. Great cricket. And now we got the Ashes this summer. Enjoy it. The Ashes and the Big Bash. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see the, the suicide rates for December, January, February because, you know, God, how if you need to take your mind off your troubles, how does 14 hours of absolutely elite cricket every single day, how does that float you? You know what I mean? I mean, God, what a time to be alive and enjoy it because we got the Ashes this summer, which means next summer it'll probably be like, Pakistan and the West Indies touring here or Sri Lanka and New Zealand, you know? So enjoy the Ashes while they're here. You know, people always say, oh, the Black Caps are ranked number one in the world. It's like, are they? Are they really? Let's see the attendance numbers when they tour next. Tell me if, tell me if 5,000 people at day one screams world beaters. Not to me, it doesn't. Not to me. But anyway, let's crack into the Ashes here. If you have listened to this pod, you know, for the last two years or whatever, I will be echoing a lot of the same sentiments. Firstly, Timmy Payne must play. Okay. I still think he's the best gloveman in the country by a margin. I think when he gets runs, they're important runs. And, you know, Alex Carey might be a better batsman. I could go in on that. But I don't think Alex Carey's getting enough Sheffield Shield runs to dislodge the pain train okay so tim Payne must play i dare say the stump cam or the stump mic will be a little bit quieter this summer <laughs> i don't i don't know if we'll be picking up too much sledging from the pain train this summer just quietly <laughs> imagine that imagine freaking timmy Payne's trying to have a go at you how quickly would you bring up the sexting scandal i don't know for me i'd say 0.1 of a second tim Payne could be like Hey, Bill, how I'd be like, oh, here comes Twitter fingers. Watch out for his erection. Oh. You'd just be all over him. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, you'd just be like, he's oh, up, Timmy. Trying to fuck the umpire at tea, you crazy cunt, you know? So, you know, I don't think we'll, we'll see Timmy as chir- chirpy as previously. But, you know, best of luck to him on the field nonetheless. The pain train marches on. And the thing with me is I get on trains and I don't get off them, okay? I, ra- I stayed on the train with Stevie Smith and I'll stay on the train with the pain train as well, okay? Luckily for me, I never got on the David Warner train, so I never had to get off. That's a money and a time saver. Anyway, next up, Steve Smith must captain the test team this summer. That is my hot take. I just think this whole Pat Cummins thing is a pipe dream, Bowlers can't be captains. I just honestly believe that. If I give any human on the planet one thing to focus on and then I give a second guy 
that first thing to focus on as well as a second thing. There's no way he's going to do it as well as the guy who's only got the one thing. You know what I mean? Like Steve Smith, he can just focus on captaincy. You know, sometimes you got to tell Pat Cummins, hey, mate, I know you're, you're tired, but I need three more overs. Shut the fuck up and do it. You know what I mean? And you don't have to worry about bringing yourself in and out of the attack. Who's going to open the bowling? Where's the breeze going? I just think it's all a bit much for one man to carry. Not that Pat Cummins couldn't do a phenomenal job. But Steve Smith, you know, he, he did his crime. He did his time. He's fully f- forgiven in my books. I, I never gave a fuck. And it's like, he w- people forget that he was a phenomenal captain. Steve Smith was a phenomenal captain. And also, um, if anything, I think statistically it makes his betting bat makes his batting better, and it also makes his betting better. So two birds, you know what I mean? But Steve Smith, honestly, if you're still upset about the sandpaper thing, dead set, go get a root. Okay, it's been like three years. When are people just gonna let stuff go? You know what I mean? God, it's like just let it go. It happened. He did his time. It's over. He's the obvious choice for the job. I don't even know why we're talking about it. Okay? So anyway. Now, what else we got here? Oh, yeah, here we go. So, the issue, as it always is, with the Australian cricket team over the last five plus years, I would say around five years maybe, the batting. I don't think we have had six test quality batsmen in this country for at least five years. We've always had Warner and Smith, and thank God we have. Now we have Marnus Labashain. Jesus Christ, is that man mortal? And then I would have argued this whole time that Usman Khawaja is the fourth best batsman in this country. So now we got this thing where, you know, they've put so much time into Travis Head. I don't think Travis Head will ever be like a world-beating test batsman. He just doesn't have the technique. You know... Travis Head and Marcus Harris, they both get out too much playing these like diagonal bat shots where they're kind of, it's not quite a cut shot, not quite a cover drive. They're kind of slashing at it. And that's fine when you're like a talented 18-year-old on a fucking, on the M4, the flattest track in town. But you know, this is big boy cricket. The ball's going to be moving around. I think Marcus Harris could become a great test opener. I mean, this is probably his fourth go at it. You know what I mean? It's not really, he's not really impressing me overly. Um, but I honestly think if you don't think Usman Khawaja is in the top six batsmen in Australia, you also probably walk around thinking that Timmy Payne is just like yelling obscene things to women at the shops. You know what I mean? You're absolutely delusional, dude. It's like, okay, so before maybe Usman Khawaja wasn't the number four batsman in the country. I thought he was, but I'll go in on me being wrong for the sake of this. You're telling me he's not in the top five or failing that the top six batsmen in the country. If you don't think that, get the fuck out of my bedroom, dude. Get the fuck out. I mean, at what point are we just going to... How long must this go on? With Usman Khawaja continually being overlooked. He's got a mountain of runs in the Sheffield Shield this season already. Shock. And it's like, my God, just play Usman Khawaja. How hard is it? You know? So it's got to be Harris Warner, Marnus, Steve Smith, Usman Khawaja at five for mine. Cameron Green or Travis Head at six. I mean, if we're being honest, Cameron Green didn't look like taking a wicket last year. So I don't know how much value his bowling really adds. And to be honest, there's time to blood new players, but the Ashes is not that. 
Okay. Ideally, I would have, if he could stop getting hit in the fucking head so much, I would have Will Pekofsky batting six. I was so impressed by that kid last summer. If he had like good shield runs coming into this. But I would have Will Pekofsky at six. Unfortunately, the bloke appears, he can't go to the bathroom to take a piss without getting like a grade three concussion. You know, he goes in to do his fucking shoelaces up, somehow ends up unconscious. You know, you got to supervise this kid at all times. My God, he's going to have the CTE of a goddamn UFC fighter who doesn't keep his eyes up a little more. But yeah, I would have Will Pekofsky given the chance. But now it's like, if you go between Travis Head and Cameron Green, I don't know. I don't know. I personally don't particularly rate Travis Head. I know he's like a... I don't know what this thing is like where they say people who aren't established in the team are future captains. You know how Travis Head has like this hype on him? They're like possible future captain candidate. It's like, well, he's not going to be captain if he averages 22. And you know how I said before Tim Payne gets important runs? Travis Head, I think he got 160 last year against India that I rated. Apart from that, dude, Travis Head gets garbage runs. It's like second innings runs. We've played some terrible countries in the last few years, last few couple of years. He got that 100 against Sri Lanka. Remember that, that test match at uh, Manuka Oval or Manuka Oval where like Joe Burns and Travis Head came in and both got huge hundreds against like Sri Lanka and it was like Sri Lanka's like third 11 and they just both bought themselves another two years in the test team and that whole game was a fucking fast dude. It was terrible. So I was like, I personally don't think Travis Head has the technique for top-level test cricket. You know, no, zero footwork, too much of this trying to play through cover point all the time. If you look at the, the really good left-handers, Matthew Hayden, uh, Justin Langer, Mike Hussey, there's none of this freaking just slashing at the ball. They're either playing back, they're, they're playing genuine cut shots backward a point, or they're playing cover drives. There's none of this in-between garbage where they're just sort of slashing at a diagonal angle it won't work and if you think it's going to work against broad and anderson you're out to lunch if you think it's going to work against broad and anderson in a pink ball test match under lights dude guess what i just ordered you a premium sub with extra meat and cheese because you are 100 percent out to lunch okay so i just you know i honestly don't really think i don't really know who to bat at six i don't think it particularly matters you got to think with number six, it's not about the guy who comes out at four for 400. It's who do you want coming out at four for 40? Which is why I could never understand why Usman Khawaja is continually overlooked. Who would you want coming out at three for 10? You can have Travis Head or Usman Khawaja. I just don't understand why anyone has to think about that. You know what I mean? And also, Usman Khawaja gets hundreds. Travis Head gets 50s. So, I don't know. That's my opinion. I think with the bowling, we're obviously fucking stacked up, dude. I wish James Pattinson didn't retire because he's a psycho from the bush and I fucking love it. But yeah, I don't know. I liked, I like the idea of Jai Richardson playing this summer at some stage. We appear to have the same problem as every summer for the last four summers. How important is it that Mitchell Stark bowls with his left arm? Because that is what gets him into the team almost every time these times. Like, yes, he hoops the ball around with the pink ball. He does not really swing the red ball much. I don't think so. I don't think he really poses... 
he doesn't swing the ball enough with the red ball for mine. And, you know, if they play 10 test matches a year, Mitchell Stark is performing in like three of them. But, you know, you got Hazelwood and Cummins, so you want that left arm option. But how important is it to have a left armor? You know, Rory Burns opens the batting. He bats left-handed. I like Mitch Stark to him. I would play Mitch Stark in the first test and in all the pink ball tests. But I also don't mind if Mitchell Stark's not firing, let's give Jai Richardson a go ASAP. And, you know, Jai Richardson, I haven't seen him play with a pink ball, but I can only imagine it's absolutely unbelievable because that kid hoops him around at 145Ks an hour, okay? He looks like his favorite drink is a fucking apple pop top. And then he comes in, bowling absolute thunderbolts, bending him around corners. So, yeah, I fucking rate Joe Richardson. But, yeah, that's what I think on the Ashes. I still think if we play somewhat well, we should handle England. I think it, a lot of it depends on whether Broad and Anderson are too old or not. Because, dude, Jimmy Anderson, man, I am just in awe of that guy. I can't believe he's still going. And he's still doing well. If Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad bowl well, I think we'll be in trouble. You know, you've got to ask yourself, how many times is Marcus Harris going to be able to get through the first 15 overs of Anderson and Broad? You know, I hope it's a fair few. Um, but then, if you don't pick Usman Khawaja, you, if, like there are some people out here genuinely saying they want our 5-6-7 to be head, green, Payne. Okay, now I love Timmy Payne, but he, he hasn't been piling on the runs. It's like, fuck me, it's a, how much responsibility? You know, Dave Warner, towards the end of his career... You know, doesn't tend to get important runs when we need him, Dave Warner, to be completely honest. Last Ashes series, the one time we really, really needed him, he averaged 10. Um, I'm just wondering, how much pressure are we going to be putting on Marnus and Steve Smith? You know, hopefully, like, we need... Fuck, now the camera's full. I mean, this is just a fucking nightmare, truly. God damn. Anyway... We need other people to be getting some runs and not just 40s, not just 50s, but we need, you know, each batsman in the top six needs to make 200s that series. In five test matches, you should be making 200s across 10 innings in a home summer, really. Um, you know, and you look at, you know, it won't be enough if we just rely on Marnus and Steve Smith. And I think we would be foolish to not play Usman Khawaja. But I think we will win. I think it's going to be electric. You know, crap year 2021. I'm so happy the Ashes are on. This is going to be so much fucking fun. I'll do, um, I'll bring the recaps back at the end of each test match. And, uh, and yeah. And thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. There's like a little Tim Payne stand-up clip I did on Monday, if you didn't catch that. It's on all the social medias, the various social medias. And, uh, and yeah, dude, thanks for listening.